DR. I am Lee Drogan, founder and CEO at Estimize. I'm in our New York City offices today, joined by my colleague Christine Short. On the phone from sunny San Diego is Jeff Mackey, the head of Mackey Asset Management. And we have a new guest today, uh, Seema Shah, who is the senior retail analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence. She's been a consumer-focused research analyst for over 15 years. Prior to joining Bloomberg Intelligence, she was a buy-side analyst at both hedge funds and family offices. So really psyched to have her. Um, we've been looking for another kind of uh, great retail voice uh, for the round table. And uh, I was lucky to get to, uh, to wrangle her up. Um, recently from our podcast studio in New York's Flatiron District, we had the following conversation. So today we're going to get into retail, which, you know, the majority of names haven't reported yet here this season. We have had uh, some of the um, restaurants report, and we've got some numbers. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to get some expectations from everybody on the holiday shopping season, what they think is hot, what they think uh, you know may fall flat here, and how names are kind of preparing for that uh, ahead of the prints. Um, some companies, as I said, are having uh, an easier time than others kind of passing along the uh, huge uptick in wages. We got uh, the NFP numbers and um, the hourly uh, earnings report last Friday, which was pretty hot. Uh, I think, what was it, 3.1% year over year, which is the hottest we've had in a long time. So um, we've seen some companies have a hard time with that. Some companies have done better. Uh, and then we're going to get into some picks uh, for Q3. Um, I know Mackie's got some, and we'll see if uh, Seema has some favorites here. So let's just start it off here, uh, and I'll, I'll give kind of a, an anecdote from a couple of weeks ago. My wife and I were walking around Soho uh, shopping for winter jackets, and um, you know she was like, "Why don't we go to the uh, the goose store, uh, Canadian? What's it called? Um, Canada Goose. Sorry, Canada yeah. Goose. Yes. Um, <laughs> the goose <laughs> the goose. Well, I just know it as the stock symbol, right? right, um, right. That's so, why we bring young people on the show. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, and so, hey, young person, what the hell do you call that fizzy water? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were walking around, and we, you know, we, we walked up. I think it's on Worcester Street. And the freaking line was literally around the corner to get into this shop. And I'm just sitting there like, why are people lined up to get into the Canada Goose store? And so I hit Mackie on, uh, on Twitter. I was like, just so you know, like there's a line around the block for this thing. Um, so I just, you know, we'll start there with, um, you know, holiday shopping season expectations and maybe, you know, talk about some of the winter kind of shopping expectations too, because that's obviously baked into it. Um, what, is, what does that say to you guys that there's a line around the store? And I didn't see lines around the block for, you know, any other store there. Um, I would, oh, go ahead. No, please. I'm interested. You know what the name of the company is. I trade it as a as a play on you people. So tell me what's going through your. Um, I mean, I I think that the you know as you saw from the macro indicators, the c consumer is feeling pretty strong. So I think you will see people really spending this holiday, and I think expectations are about to four to five percent increase in holiday sales from last year. Uh, looking at a number of estimates, so. I'm not so surprised that um, there's a line also that is sort of a newer, hipper brand. They are growing their unit base in the United States, right? So it's something different. And I think retail had been stale for a different while. Different so. 
ish. I mean, we've been <laughs> ripping feathers off geese. Yeah, I mean, no, 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 absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, it has it's increased so popular here. Every single person in the subway has that jacket. So I, I don't know. I kind of think that it will be strong now, but I'm. I kind of remember when Uggs and Michael Kors were like this. And not that the subway anecdote <laughs> is a tell, but when it's everywhere, it's no, a but it concerning. is. But it, but it is. Though. The price point <laughs> is, is so much higher than Uggs. Yo, these it's things are super dollars. Yeah. Super expensive yeah. for a yeah. jacket. And it's like, and the people, you know, the people who are lined up outside of the store were not like, you know, guys working in uh you know investment banker midtown offices uniform. making <laughs> right. mid- these are not midtown uniform oh, people you know these more, are people they're... shelling out cash that you investment. know this, yeah. this is an investment for them yeah. which by definition you can tell the market's broken because people who can afford jackets like that should have someone to go stand in line for them <laughs> nobody <laughs> should should buy their own jackets like that and we're seeing yeah. that in fa- fashion works like giraffes things evolve until they kind of are so specialized that you're just waiting for some predator to come along and snap their necks we're right. seeing that across the board you're seeing gucci shoes my favorite mm-hmm. i do running pieces called trend watch and just the insane things that people are supposed to be wearing <laughs> And you're seeing you're seeing high end, super duper expensive, really old shoes. You're talking about the mules. You're talking about those. We're uh, talking about mules. Those loafers that I I am embarrassed to admit I kind of want, but they're expensive and they look kind of like old people shoes. I don't know what these are, and I'm proud of them. I I tweeted today. The only way to describe it is is it's a Thanos hiking sneaker (laughs) with with like the Thanos band sort of wraps around and detaches from these Gucci hiker hiking sneakers. Sixteen hundred bucks. Sixteen hundred dollars. It is awesome. And they're like, the baubles are detachable. So you're buying that for the functionality of your baubles. It, it's, you, you know, that, those sho- that it will never be marked down. Those shoes will ne- are worth 1600 bucks or zero because that's the way extreme fashion works. And so right now you're at that musical chairs stage in a lot of these different things. You know, it, it's at some point a millennial is going to look up and say geez for 120 at the price i can get exactly the same code at burlington coat factory well so, right. so um, yeah so sema that that kind of brings up that that was kind of my next question is this like a lot of this stuff we were at bloomingdale's last weekend uh-huh. and you know you know the same coats in other you know generally other brands are you know they're going for four or five hundred bucks so where are we in the cycle here is this is this a is this uh, apropos of where we are in the consumer cycle being, you know, very much towards the top or, or is it just this brand's on fire? I mean, I personally think that we are kind of getting to the top of the consumer. I think there's that euphoria when you start see people start spending this much money yeah. on items where there's a comparable for a much lower price. Um, so Canada goose might be a bit of that and also a trend, but as we go into next year, I don't see how, these retailers will be able to drive the same sales growth because I still don't think the consumer is as flush as people think that they are. Given and that's that. the rub on the trade, you know. It, yeah. It's and I think there's a big generational thing. I've been playing this yeah. generational tailwind for a long time, which makes mm-hmm. it, you know that that's the thresher that all the shorts are just feeding their heads into. 
is right. the fact that there's just a ton of these millennials who actually have grown up jobs for the first time in their lives. <laughs> right. And, you know, and getting your first grown up job is a big deal. By grown up job, I just mean like you actually don't spend all your money by the end of your two weeks. You're putting, you know, it's right. discretionary income to get all fancy. But right. yeah, it, and, and the first thing people do is they blow it on crap. And so you're just yeah. seeing this endless wave of crap being bought. And so, you know, the down coat is terrible unless it's a brand, unless it's fashion. And, and at any time there's, there's kind of a robust economy, you see these things peaking. But this, right. what this has just to extend it is, is larger numbers. There's a greater mass. And so I'm not worried so much about Manhattan's Canada Goose store line. Right. I right. can tell you in San Diego, it's not huge. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, oh, you don't say it, It's going to be yeah. like the Midwest. It's going to be the place where practicality right. dominates as opposed to any fashion interest whatsoever right i guess and you want to see right. what people those in like those green bay in green bay wisconsin are buying right because they actually need the damn coat because exactly. they'll laugh at you and they'll just be like why'd you buy that dog shit coat for two thousand dollars when actually mine's much better and it has not you know if you care at all about functionality that's exactly not the coat you're gonna buy and they're making them huge. It, it's like some woman model's head looked like a zipper fob. It's like out of this enormous parka just jammed with like eight geese worth of feathers. It's like, do you guys have any idea how this stuff is made? Because it's really hard. <laughs> no one cares. They'll eventually care. And in terms of the stocks, Target has honestly been in just the shit locker for the last month and a half because their CEO dared to say the consumer's as good as he's ever seen. Wait, but I, wait so, I don't get that. Wait, I don't, I don't get that because I definitely heard that quote and it, it was it was heard kind of round the market for sure. Uh, and I think it had it, an it, impact on the market. But why did that have a negative impact on the stock? Just peak. Because peak it's whatever. always going to get worse. Right. Because so, if they can't get any better, it's going to get worse. And so that's been the trade. It, it's And that's why I'm interested in, in kind of this Cerberus three-headed discretionary monster of crap we have coming down the pipeline right now because right. It, it's... As long as it lasts, companies like Etsy that provides kind of one-off unique items that actually matter. People don't care what those cost right now. Right. You know, your, your Canada Goose, the demand is off the charts. They just jammed a secondary onto the market. So it's like, you know what? Thank you. We'll have some more. So Seema. Crocs, your ugly ass rubber <laughs> shoes. All of those yeah. reports this week. And the only thing wrong with their numbers will be the fact that all those stocks are up more than 130% over the last 12 months. So Seema, Every single one of them. Yeah, so Seema, so you, you said something before about kind of the, the peak consumer um, and the fact that, you know, maybe mm, the consumer is not as strong as, you know, we all think it is. What's the thesis there and what would be the tell for when we see kind of the other side of that hill? I mean, I just remember that earlier this year when people thought that, you know, companies were going to give their employees a bonus and, you know, there was some kind of tax benefit yeah, to me. That, that was just happen. like that was all noise. And I don't think you, you anniversary that consumers are really levered. Maybe that's how they're buying their two thousand dollar jacket. At some point you're going to have to pay for it. And so I'm worried about that. And even though wages, you mentioned wage growth, you know, was better, but. I just don't see how a consumer that's not saving and has so much debt, how could they continue to sustain this kind of spending? Yeah, so would we see that in the consumer credit numbers or the, let's say, auto auto, you know, um, auto debt, auto default Auto delinquencies. Yeah, auto delinquencies. I, you don't see it yet in the credit cards. You saw them in some of the retail credit cards last year, but 
I mean, synchrony slowly, you know, it's inching up and, you know, everybody compares it to the bottom. Mm -hmm. I'm not comparing it to the bottom. I'm just saying like, what's the change and then what's going to happen when they don't get that other thousand dollar bonus or next year? Because, you know, a one time thousand dollar bonus doesn't change somebody's life. (laughs) It's an interesting point because consumer sentiment was still pretty high the last reading, but you're right. Who knows what happens? You know, I think people go out and spend for the holidays and I think it's, we, we know that everyone's expected to spend more this year versus last year, but then you kind of go into, uh, frugal fatigue. Yeah. Financial or fiscal fatigue Mm. in January and people kind of start to save up again. So that might be right. And that's when you start seeing the impact from the margin side of freight, these retailers, I mean, they have to push through price at some point otherwise. And we've seen the margin, but this is an amazing time to push through price. And the other counter to it is that, what we have right now is you have chains like Gap and and limited brands, which I always talk about. This is like my old. Shit I told Seema you would you I'm would here. bag on limited brands a little because you, you don't would, love Victoria's you know Secret. Because, <laughs> no, but it's not a matter whether I love or hate them. I'll go long or short them. And frankly, Victoria's Secret, I'd buy the crap out of that stock because there's so many ways to fix it. The only way to break it is to keep current management in there just doing exactly what they're doing. <laughs> You're seeing it at Starbucks now where it's like the guy finally grew a pair because Howard Schultz is off the board and Wall Street can't get enough of the stock. So I'm, you know, it, it's, I'm agnostic. I got my money out of Victoria's Secrets. It doesn't matter what they do. I've already made money off the stock. But in terms of, of as a feeder for the rest of the retail chain, that's over $25 billion of retail. Those are huge companies that are just flailing. You right. add that into the mix. You, add, you So if you're a small company, you can take share. If you're American Eagle Outfitters, you're just taking that share. You know, sorry, those stairs are gross. Welcome. We have a nice place. If you're right. Lululemon, the best thesis you have to short that stock is that eventually the margins won't be so crazy. But their last quarter was the best looking quarter I've ever seen. Like they, right. it should be forced to be printed on nicer paper than normal because it's just a nice <laughs> quarter. Yeah, and and you can't. That's not a. You know, eventually people won't buy this. Is not a great short thesis off kind of the trade. We'll right. see. You know what the call is. The companies we know what they're going to say about China is we have no goddamn idea, neither does anyone else. So you know, it, it's that's kind of a given uncertainty. The consumer probably won't get much better. Eventually, they have to raise rates, but they're ripping jobs out. So we kind of know what they're going to say. It's just a matter of how the stocks are going. So before before we get to margins here, <clears throat> which I want to get to, um, I want to ask about Lululemon specifically because you know obviously stock's been hot. Uh, momentum traders have made a lot of money there. It hasn't uh, really felt a lick of you know the market volatility recently. They did the last two quarters sequentially twenty percent and twenty percent year over year uh, same store sales growth. That was off of Q four seventeen twelve, Q three seventeen eight, Q two seventeen seven, and then that weird crazy quarter where they did negative one in Q117. So they had some, you know, relatively easy comps, especially uh, the last two quarters. Estimized expectations here are um, about 12% year over year uh, same store sales growth, which would be significantly down from 20. But I mean, do you guys really believe that they could put up another 20 spot here, like against a comp of eight? Uh, that just seems Not really enough crazy. to trade them. Yeah, you know, but but that that 
they added men. You and I both know. We, yeah. we, we were Lulu men. Yeah. And it turns <laughs> Basically out, you know, all of my workout clothes. That's another 49% yeah. of people that you can add because they added kids too. So now all of a sudden they're selling to not just moms and tights. Right. That's a nice tailwind. They're getting huge breaks. Another retail kind of specialty fact that people don't weigh enough of is that these lease obligations that they have that everyone thought was going to kill retail, it, it kills the malls. Because Lulu doesn't really have to pay for stores anymore because the chains want companies like Lulu to be there because they build cool stores that people come to. Apple doesn't pay for their stores. You know, Abercrombie even, because they run a nice clean shop and somehow manages to not make a stink of old stale cologne, they're a prized tenant for all these units. It, it, so you've got kind of this, this what everyone was considering this huge liability in the form of these leases. These companies can't wait for the leases to expire because you could close half of them. Honestly, Gap would be such a natural short right now with the current management team because they simply refuse to just close half close, the Gap yeah. stores. Mm-hmm. Just close half the damn, you know, it, and they're starving Athleta. Like, Lulu should lose shared Athleta, but to get to Athleta, you got to walk through the piles of unsold crap at the Gap store. <laughs> <laughs> Most athletes are standalones, though, right? But they just, they're not doing terribly well. But they're not getting fed. If you're looking right. at any kind of chain like that, you got to see who they're feeding, you know, which animals are getting fed. My biggest concern being long target was tons of good ideas. Who's going to get the, the, the meal, meal corn? You know, who's going to, which idea is going to get fed here? Who's got hand? Because that's which direction the chain's going to go. And so Athleta's doing great, but I guarantee it's getting starved. And no one's just raising their hand and having the squash to say, you know what? Maybe we don't need 45 gap stores in Scranton. Maybe that's, a, you know, it, it's maybe not adding a ton of value on that. Seema, you know, what's, we'll your, see. What's, what's your take on Lulu and, and kind of, um, uh, you know, whether they I mean, can, I would, I would agree. I would agree with what uh, Jeff said, particularly, you know, about the real estate. I think you see that even with, some other retailers to some extent, like Restoration Hardware, they're getting some vendor uh, help on their real estate. So I think uh, what he said is true. As for Lulu specifically, from what I see, I mean, the brand continues to be hot. And as you said, they're expanding into more categories. So there's more way to drive sales. So let's see how long they can sustain that. But going into holiday, I, I would think that the company would do okay. It's interesting to I mean, look if at. They tried to close those stores and not sell anything. They could probably still do ten percent. Well, yeah, they also they had some great online comps last quarter as well, which I think was really what got that stock moving because um, everybody mm-hmm. realized that yeah. their omni channel was uh, was so good. Um, what do we think about well, Under Armour? Well, the way, I was, it, I was it, so Christine. I was literally just about to ask about that. Under right? Armour, so, we used to love that. Talk about that all well, the time. So what I, what I was going to ask is basically Lulu has it seems kind of intelligently expanded their line whereas Under Armour went for shoes they failed the whole went thing for smart apparel yeah they, yeah they failed the whole thing retrenched because of the margins the margins sucked it bottomed out and now they're moving again um, and so I'm wondering what you guys think about Under Armour they you know the report was good uh, they up I think they up guidance as well um, we're seeing upward revisions there too what what like is this thing back on track or at one point everybody thought that this was you know the next coming of Nike I put it in a big heap of a lot of these stocks and you know I'm excited I've been over retail but but you know of the three we named and Under Armour you can add it in there 
they are all haunted by the last 52 weeks because it's been kind of a grindy year. And, and you know, you've seen a huge bounce in a lot of these names last year at this time, American Eagle and Abercrombie were, I, I was literally drawing little horse gifs of them racing to 20 and people thought I was just batshit because they were such terrible companies. Both those stocks got to almost 30. So, you know, the, it's hard to really value these numbers really specifically. And I think that's what's happening to Amazon is if analysts are really honest, you can't come within $500 of what's a fair value for that stock. No one has any idea. No one's seen anything like it. And for the retailers themselves, it's all going to be about the reaction because Lulu is not a screaming value. It, it could go way down and it's not, you know, you're not going to make a PE argument for that stock. It's an easy stock to talk people out of owning. But it's a hard one to get them to buy it. And and you see that from a lot of these things. You know, I'm still long a bunch of these names, but most of my money's in Target and Walmart because they're gonna get the incremental investors, not sort of these specialty so things. They just need time to cool. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, especially given the valuations where those are trading and it's a risk. And you I mean, especially going into holiday, right? Most people are gonna shop at the mass players. So yeah, and, and the tailwind, again, is that there's so many losers. And so right now would be a time to kind of scale back. Like It, it just seems like a time that shorts are going to be apparent as they go. These reports, particularly when we get to the fourth quarter, we get to really the tide's going to go out and we see who's actually developed Omnichannel and who's just right. kind of full of crap. So that, Because <laughs> you, there's no excuse for not having an actual dollar figure for what percentage, you know, <laughs> what kind of business you're doing omni-channel. Macy's has honestly like 10 years in a row of double-digit growth. They claim an omni-channel and they still won't get a number for what size yeah. the market is. It's crazy. You know, so, you can't get away with that anymore. That's so that's, why that's some interesting, that's some interesting sentiment, right? Because, you know, I, I pay very close attention to, you know, as we go kind of through the quarter and we have, you know, I mean, we have the same people generally on, on the round table, but different sets of them, right, that deal with, you know, enterprise tech and consumer and, you know, and other stuff. And, you know, it became very apparent that about, you know, four or five months ago, uh, the enterprise and consumer tech guys were getting really squeamish on valuations. Um, mm -hmm. We saw them all kind of go, you know, long the <clears throat> low beta names like Qualcomm and, and short the higher beta names like NVIDIA. Um, I think that was, uh, you know, Sean uh, Udall's, you know, play on semiconductors here this quarter, uh, which has worked out pretty well. Um, and, and this is kind of the first quarter that I'm hearing from you, Jeff, uh, and, and Seema kind of, it, it sounds like, you know, similar sentiment that this is kind of a, you know, again, even in retail, long the low beta and, and short the higher beta names, you know, as just as a relative trade. Um, and given that retail is basically the last bastion of, you know, uh, strength, you know, overall in the market here, does that mean that we're closer to the bottom, you know, generally than the top, given that this would be maybe the last one to roll over? Or would, or would that mean just that if you lose the last kind of, uh, you know, big piece of support in the market that we have, you know, broader real issues going forward? I don't think you're going to get a, an organic catalyst. Like this year has been harder than last year because it's the shorts have been drier. You haven't seen that sense of denial like you had in Full Locker this time last year. Right. You know, that sense of, oh, we have a website. You know, it, it, that's gone. <laughs> um, you know, some people are getting vaguely smarter, but the, the, you know, 
it for for kind of those big boring names, they're not that boring anymore. And it depends on the degree to which kind of Wall Street can wrap their mind around it. But eventually you get to just competing valuation and sort of the incremental client and the incremental broker. We always talk about kind of the imaginary broker just saying, yeah, the Amazon, these are building stores. That's not expensive. That's an easy stock to sell. Right. And you want to buy Target in its place. If you get trade resolution, you want to be long domestic retailers because that's your huge question mark. If you look at late January, they all topped right when we started these dumbass wars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, there's no reason to think that that's basically your best argument against Walmart or Target here because they they just this year figured out online. And so if you think about the dynamics between Amazon and Target and, and Walmart, the latter two, the, the the big box stores just figured out how to do online this year, and Amazon's trying to build stores. It's for sure harder to build stores. It's much more expensive to actually extend a retail footprint. And so it, competitively, it's just changed. Those companies are going to be, it's, there's room for all three, but I really like Target's chances if the contest is who's going to make the best stores in America. Absolutely, and they can use their stores as distribution centers, so that makes perfect right, sense. Same right. with Walmart, and it's so much easier. And I think also they sell so many categories, like Amazon, so they already have that advantage, right? You're already going there, you can pick up everything, and you can shop online. Definitely the online product is much better. It's much easier to use. Their website has definitely improved in the last year. It, it, they're closing the gap and you're seeing it with Prime. And so Amazon's yeah. had this huge cash spigot that the margins will go down on that because it's never been a specific product. It's just been a tax people were willing to pay because Target and Walmart were so terrible online. But they just got a little bit better. And those two companies, if you're a brick and mortar retailer, they've spent six decades building out everything you need to actually fulfill all these orders. Amazon right. hasn't. And so you're talking about billions of square feet, billions of square feet that are located within 10 miles of 90 something percent of the country is the change stat. Right. And it you probably know. won't be as easy to use the whole food stores, given that it's a grocery store, as people think. Well, it was exactly. funny because I, I was on, you know, I was on Bloomberg for for that call and um, somebody brought up, uh, you know, the delivery stuff. Uh, I think it was Joe Weisenthal and asked me, well, you know, do, do you use the delivery stuff? I was like, yeah, we used to go to Whole Foods a lot. Um, and, you know, obviously on the call, they were talking about how Whole Foods revenue was basically flat. And I was saying, yeah, we used to go to Whole Foods a lot, but now we just order on the delivery. And I, I think, you know, one of the issues there is that it's a replacement, not an and, you know, like. You order Whole Foods delivery? Yeah, it's or, free. The yeah, yeah, freaking yeah. delivery is free. It's amazing. It's like yeah. the best thing ever. I really don't understand how um, Instacart's going public because like, why would I ever pay for Instacart when Whole Foods is delivering everything to me for free. Uh, but I, I thought that that was interesting. The other thing that was interesting the other day, and this gets into you know some of the the wage increases and and how costs are being passed on or not. So Apple reports uh, yeah. the iPhone numbers were not as good as expected. Their guidance for iPhone numbers well doesn't exist anymore because well they're trying to hide something there, and that's right. not a good thing. Um, but they definitely showed that they could pass along a huge increase in ASP to the consumer, which I thought was super interesting. And this kind of goes back to, you know, where are we in the cycle? 
I mean, if people are paying an average price, I think it was like 750 bucks for an iPhone or something yep. like that. I mean, they, they know if they can't push units, they got to increase price. Yeah, they got to increase price. But the new phone's 1099 now. Yeah, the mar- over, gross, over margins, gross margins were still very good for Apple. Uh, obviously, the market freaked out about the, you know, uh, the unit sales because as they should, if the unit sales go south and everything else goes south, including the services business. Um, what I'm interested in from you guys is, is more, you know, Apple was able to pass along prices. McDonald's was able to, um, to deal with ride, uh, rising costs. And we've spoken about that ad nauseum on, on this podcast, mm-hmm. how they invested. And at a 52 week high, by the way, yeah, how, and those two are not unrelated. We and, talked about it a lot because we like it. In the stock. Yeah. And they, they've invested in the that. technology that allowed them to cut, I assume headcount, right. Which is why they're not mm-hmm. having issues with that. Texas roadhouse on the other hand uh got absolutely slaughtered because they're having huge issues uh around that i'm just i'm on the the estimized uh, earnings edge of the screener here and just looking at what companies <clears throat> which restaurants had issues as well um difference between uh actuals and uh, estimized consensus here um denny's had huge issues um six flags had huge issues blooming uh what's blooming on you um blmn uh, mm-hmm. uh oh, outback. outback steakhouse yeah. had huge issues qsr had huge issues but on the upside um shake shack had no issues at all they blew eps numbers out of the water yum brands blew numbers out of the water uh bjri did really well uh duncan did really well uh yum china also did well and no surprise Domino's crushed it because well you know the app um and, and they've invested heavily in technology so you know going forward you know we, we've got obviously the trade war issues and my own view on that is that this is more than a couple of weeks and you know they're all lying about the fact that they're going to have this thing wrapped up at the g20 um this is a two three more year kind of issue going on but put that aside we've got wage you know wage pressure which which of these companies is going to handle this well and 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 which are not and is that going to be a serious kind of uh, catalyst you know for these stocks going forward Uh, i would take the other side of that all the time in terms of wage pressure i mean the market dealt with amazon's wage pressure i think correctly I, I'm a cynic, so I got that right away. But I mean, it's obviously just a dodge. They're building the stores without cashiers and at the same time announcing their minimum wage is getting them. What the hell do you think you pay the minimum wage to? You pay them to the employees that Amazon's getting rid of. Wait, but that's not, you're, you're the, not necessarily the, taking the other side of that, Jeff. You're just saying that like most companies will deal with it, but are there going to be some companies that totally. don't and just screw it up badly? Yeah, the ones who haven't spent on it. There's no, there's a right. million different ways to stash. I would love to give people a ratio, and, I, and I've looked at it because you can stick too many things in SGA and CapEx. Some retailers actually have R&D, some don't. You know, it, it, So there's not a great way to figure out if the companies have been spending but the levers are available for the targets and the Walmarts to really not have that be an issue at all. And what they're kind of doing is just signaling because, you know, it, what they don't want to be is known nationwide as the shittiest job to have. Anywhere. <laughs> because you totally, totally pay a premium that in shrink and trying to hire people and everybody quitting and people getting stoned at lunch and customers giving, <laughs> you know, getting crap from everyone who walks in the store. Like that's just a terrible thing to be. And so it's a PR move, you know, but, but minimum wage itself is totally irrelevant but in terms of $15 an hour, every target Walmart were going there anyway. And 
you know, Sears doesn't have Rome because they don't exist. We're, we're, it's, I don't understand things like retail ETFs right now because the haves and the have-nots are going to cut Very exactly right. in half. Yeah. You know, the have-nots are hopelessly screwed and they don't have any way out of it because, you know, a recession only makes the have-nots better shorts. Like this long short here, winners, losers, and retail still will continue to work because over time, Nordstrom has made the investments online. Macy's hasn't. And Macy's is not going to have the cash to figure out a way to get out of it. The stocks will wiggle a lot on the way, but make me long. Nordstrom short Macy's all day. Never change on that. And Seema, you also mentioned freight, freight issues as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned that. And just similar to what he said, I see the same thing for somebody like a Bed Bath & Beyond. There's always going to be a – I mean, I don't know how they continue to do what they do. So I think it's very similar – even in a good market, you're always going to see the good and bad. For the trade, I mean, I just look at cost as a whole, and he's right. You don't exactly know, but the big retailers were already pushing uh, to higher wages. So it makes, as you said, it, you kind of have to do it. So those who don't have, uh, who have to invest when the market goes south, and that's sort of what you're going to see from Bed Bath and Pier 1. They keep trying to invest, but nothing really sticks. Right. Those are the issues. And Bed those Bath people, is just Holy crap! That quarter, that quarter deserves special mention because just the, <laughs> the desolation, the horribleness. Those of numbers it. have there come down really sad. badly for next quarter. How much? Holy how much of that is crap. margins, and how much of that is tied to the housing issues? Oh, it's tied entirely to the fact that they had zero strategy coming in at all. At all. And They've it, continued to have no strategy since 2000. Right, exactly. <laughs> Just no the $20 coupons. Yeah. They are literally yeah. competing when you move. with the entire yeah. internet in a store. That's like the design of a bed bath. <laughs> you walk in and it's like, yeah. oh, look, I'm going to Google something. Maybe they have something here. Oh, there's a $500 yeah. hair dryer and it's next yeah. to a, a magnetic poop emoji. Yeah. So that's perfect. I've got those two. Yeah, I don't yeah, know who shops there. You can't compete with the internet on crap. You, you have to and they it. have nothing that, yeah, and for them, they're already getting hit on free shipping. Now they're moving into furniture. I don't know if they realize furniture is a bulky, expensive product to ship. So, I mean, all the ways that they're going, and management, when you, when you listen to them, they don't seem to realize, I think. It doesn't seem like that to me. They're very clear on it what they should do it kind of justifies my professional existence to actually listen to the calls because you can hear the management that's still slamming air quotes around e-commerce and all their special (laughs) initiatives and you know just hedge yourself against exposure if they say our website you know if they give you that little up speed the e-com you know it's you want to be out of that company because they are super screwed they're not going to be able to come back like best buy i don't think i don't think you're going to see that you know, I think we've established the winners and the losers, and I think the losers are going to be in death throes. But again, if you're Macy's, you tell me how you're not just going to feed your best market share to Nordstrom across the mall for the rest of your life. Because Nordstrom is doing exactly what they should, which is Wait, so, mind, so, Jeff, you know, so Jeff, with Nordstrom, you know, you've been you've been bullish on this thing a long time and they've been trying to go private and then they didn't. So, like, what's the what's the update on this thing? Because that's obviously not what's pushing the stock. It's that they got the omnichannel thing right. Um, I guess I, I think I remember you saying that the the offer to take this thing out was actually putting a cap on it for a while. And that when they decided that that wasn't happening, then the thing went nuts. I was an evil genius kind of scheme theorist, which ends up costing you who figured that the conspiracy would pan out. But 
I kind of thought the Nordstrom family would just try to tank a stock and miss EPS right. until they drove the stock low enough for them to buy it. But because that, they that know that work. the payoff is going to be huge. Yeah. You don't get these these market share shifts like this. You know, Mason and Nordstrom have been in a knife fight for like the three decades that they haven't been bankrupt. Nordstrom never has, but Macy's has been. You know, in the 90s from when they were overlevered through the 80s. And so they've been fighting for share since. When you win one of those wars, you get this huge peace dividend. And so Macy's has not invested in their infrastructure. They've got no edge. Any company that says with a straight face in 2018, it's more expensive to do retail online. They don't understand retail or online or something. I'm not sure what their personal narrative is. And as I get older, I don't judge as much, but I don't want to understand. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just they don't understand because it, it's cheaper to put things online than it is in the store. Speaking about the, uh, we mentioned the slowing housing market, and obviously mm-hmm. that's not impacting Bed Bath & Beyond. That's a, just a Bed Bath & Beyond issue. What do we think about Lowe's today? I mean, closing more stores, obviously not able to compete with Home Depot. I wonder if the slowing housing market eventually impacts Home Depot as well, or if this is it's just a Lowe's thing. They're, you know, we were talking about the uh, the Lowe's by us here in Chelsea by our office is closing. Nobody goes mm-hmm. to and, it. And no one, because there's a Home Depot <laughs> right next to, to it. And everyone's Depot. like, oh, there's a Lowe's here? And I'm like, yeah, home, right next to the Home Depot. Um, so curious your, your thoughts on Lowe's this I season. I mean, on Lowe's right now, I think Marvin Ellison's going to come in. And, you know, he wanted to run a company. He didn't get to run Home Depot. So he's going to try to. <laughs> he basically said, I'm going to, they are the best retailer. I'm going to mimic their strategy. So I think that's what you're going to be seeing in the next few months and i think investors give him a year or so to try what he's going to try but i think broadly in terms of the housing market even if there's a deceleration technically speaking the housing stock is old you have to do repair so there still should be some upside to home depot and lowe's but lowe's has a really difficult time executing and i mean there's probably i don't know how much marvin ellison will be able to do just in the next few months (laughs) you know yeah i mean that's He's saying the right stuff, though, which is yes, just kind of yes. old school retail. Listen, we don't have to yeah. reinvent it because it turns out the guys in the store that's kicking our ass are really good at it. We should go exactly. shop there. And, you know, which used yeah. to be pretty normal. And my dad was a re- I was reading an article today where Target invented a little washer and they taped it on the number five on the key check. So so cashiers could ring people up faster because they could feel where the five is without looking. And it gave them like a 10 second advantage. Uh-huh. It's they went like spy versus spy corporate shit, trying to keep Walmart from figuring out how to tape a washer to the number five on their cash <laughs> registers. Like little edges like that are just they've been grinding for ages. So to think that they're that Amazon, for instance, or anyone else is going to invent these stores, all these retailers that are going to invent stores right now are. It's a super hard. I don't know, man. I'm I'm going to take the other side of that. And Jeff knows, obviously, I know nothing about retail relative to Jeff. But, you know, I feel like this is a very binary event, though. You know, they, they come out with completely cashierless stores. And you don't know the impact that that's going to have long term on on the consumer and the way that the consumer behaves. It's an experiment. It's a, it's an experiment in such an early stage. And you don't like it's one of those things like you don't know exactly how far they can take this thing and how people will behave relative to that 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 shift in um, in in what can take place in a 
uh, in a cashierless store. Maybe it completely changes what they can sell or how fast they can sell it or obviously they've had issues getting people through the door with the throughput stuff and people lining up around the street for something that shouldn't take long. But I don't know. I, I feel like that's the kind of experiment that Bezos is really good at here because who knows the unintended consequences. And I, and I think that's, that's terrific for Amazon, but they have that huge cash spigot from all those enormous businesses that they've created right. and prime and all that stuff. And so they can't go bankrupt. So their web van if you gave WebBam an endless runway, like WebBam would be looking pretty freaking good right now. I poured George Shaheen, the guy who used to run it. I mean, he's like 85 someplace telling people he told him so. God damn it, I told you, girl, he's going you, not mine. Well, no, yeah, no, you, it, you, jo- you joke about but, that, but um, uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Andreessen. You spend money forever, you can figure it out. Yeah, you know? well, it, it, Mark, Mark Andreessen. how long they have cash. Yeah, Mark Andreessen was on a podcast with Barry Ritholtz not too long ago where he he's talking to Barry about all of the Silicon Valley, uh, you know, bubble um business models and marcos there was a website where people would post you know crazy ideas and he goes a lot of them failed the first time around but he goes when you go back to it it still exists every single one of them turned into a billion dollar plus company this time around um which feels very much like for sure which feels very much like the crypto space these days but uh amazon is different they're allowed to be irrational right they can throw money at it yeah indefinitely nobody ever Said anything really? I mean, no, I, but they're hammering the credit stock down twenty percent. Well, well, so I have this thesis. I have this thesis yeah, about Amazon, and it's you know, Bezos for a very long time has almost made sure that he didn't generate profit because he didn't want to be pegged to it. And now everybody's you know, like, okay, you know, what are they going to put up in EPS this quarter and CSOI? And uh, I and not focusing on the revenue growth, and I think it's kind of interesting that he has failed to spend the money fast enough, um, and and that could actually be an issue for the company, which is crazy. But you know, he doesn't want to be pegged to a valuation, and now he might have to be. I, it's, I can tell you what's going wrong with him as a retailer, but the, the you know the, there's chinks in the armor again. They're competing with stores that that you know my dad and his buddies were just ocd freaks who did nothing but work on target 24 7 back in the day when you really as an exec kind of would just show up whenever you wanted to at home so like the you know dad didn't go to like tape soccer practices he didn't go to my hockey practices he went to go screw around at target you're not going to invent that store these guys have been tweaking the model forever and so amazon gets endless iterations but if you're a warby parker and you're no, opening those up guys and are you're all paying a lot of money. Yeah. And well, you know, you walk in and it's like this all seems neat online, but it turns out lens crafters kicks the living crap out of them just in every possible customer service sense that you could. They've got different brands, different styles, they've got a wider range, you know, a doctor that's less sketchy that's on site at every one of them. They're just better at it. It's really I think hard to see run the same those thing stores. with Wayfair. You'll see the same thing with Wayfair. Right. It's gonna be For very sure. hard. Yeah, and they're huge stores. I, you know, it, it's and and I'm not sure, you know, like Foot Locker, how that fixes itself. But anything where you have this enormous, like, big boxes of inventory in the back, and and you've got to display it in the same place that the last five retailers went bankrupt, 
you know, just because you got a bunch of VC money, that doesn't mean that you suddenly can make that into a good business. Well, I think I think you these know, guys they, are all they, figuring out that online is expensive. The cost of customer acquisition is expensive if you don't have a brand like Nordstrom's, where you're. Where but you're, it's also yeah. that people like to shop. Still, people like to shop in the store, yeah. and people right. like to return in the store. So it's hard to have. Nothing. If I'm going to buy something on Amazon or Target, it's a big thing. I'd rather buy it on Target because I can stick it in my car and return it. It's easier. That's the thing about online shopping. It's really is, difficult to return. Well, for some, for yeah. some making, places, making, it's difficult. I know, but it's a chore. You, you still know have to drop it like, off. Yeah. They, people like to do whatever the hell they want, and they're just super stubborn that way. And they'll never mm-hmm. tell you what they want. And if you survey them, they will flat out lie to you because they <laughs> don't know it until they see it. The survey is useless because they don't know it until they see it. And so... Another catalyst that you've seen for Walmart and Target, I'm not talking even in the future, the stocks have been strong. You can look at them. Amazon's been shelled and money's been rotating into these big old ass retailers. Mm-hmm. It's because grocery is still hanging out there being $900 billion big and nobody's figured it out. And to win in that space, you got to sell something other than just groceries because those have no margin. How does Kroger not have and margin issues at this point with the wage uh, with wage pressure? Kroger is super duper screwed. And yeah. so they're doing things like making clothes, putting Adding toy toys. stores in there. Yeah. Toys, right. really? And yeah. why not? You know, yeah. send everyone. Toys R Us branded throw- toys. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't Toys R Us got a the giraffe <laughs> is like in Times Square selling photos of his junk for six bucks to tourists. While Toys R Us never even went bankrupt. But wait, you know, it, it's now it's just in the saddest toy shop on earth next to the wine section at your Kroger's. I I don't know how that's gonna work, but I know Target's already really good at that. That like Kroger, they already that have Kroger a weekly chart actually looks and pretty they good. walk you through it and you mm. buy clothing, which has high margin, which is hard to make. Amazon clothing is crap. You know, it's, it's where's target became Target because you buy something yeah. you can actually wear, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really good experience. Yeah. Yep. Compared to bed bath that we were just talking about. And I think their clothes aren't that bad. I know a lot of people who you would think would not buy a shop there. Absolutely shop there. And, and Nordstrom's able to, you know, to give another example, just because it's true for any level of service, just if customers want to be pampered, Nordstrom has more ways to pamper them than anyone in that price point. They can get you the shoes from anywhere in their inventory because they've actually spent the money to track their inventory, unlike Macy's. And so they're able to get you the shoes in a couple days in your size, mm-hmm. you know, it, which is fine for the vast majority of the women that are shopping for shoes in your store. Nordstrom used to be a women's shoe store, not being such a the the yeah that like down in their core that's where they're that's where they provide their margins and so these stores that everyone's making fun of with no inventory that's kind of just a really good idea because it doesn't cost much to make you send someone out there with their book and they can sell from anything in the chain all of a sudden that's kind of a cool place to shop if you're in albuquerque or whatever it's it's you're able to expand the scope of of what you're able to sell through this in a way that's other stores can't because they don't curate. And that's what's wrong with Amazon from a retail perspective is you can't tell what they sell. It's just a mess. Right, right. So I want to finish up um, <clears throat> with this question here for everybody. Um, going to holiday season, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a holiday season play ne- you know, necessarily, but um, name the specialty retail retailer or product, uh, long or short, that you think is either super cooked here or, you know, unloved that, uh, you know, needs to be bought. 
Um, and I'm going to start it out with something. I was just looking through the numbers today and just, you know, and uh, looking at stuff. But I, I've, I've talked about this on the podcast for a while, up until about, I'd say, a year ago. Um, I was super bearish on VSI and GNC because I'm, yeah. I just hate the whole supplements thing. It's a scam. Eventually, all scams, you know, end up failing. I've always thought Crocs was a scam, but I've been wrong about that one, too. Um, uh, Metafast feels like another one of these things. Stock goes from stock goes from twenty eight uh, back in sixteen to uh, two two fourteen right now. Uh, you know the numbers are moving pretty well. You know revenue grows up about fifty percent year over year. Uh, you know uh, our numbers look at about sixty two percent. You know this quarter, but I mean this thing just feels like eventually it's gonna hit that same buzzsaw as well. And VSI and GNC have come back a little bit, but they were just apt, like they were priced for basically going out of business. And so this is one where I'll take the other side of things and be like, I just don't think this thing's trading anywhere near where it is uh, at some point, uh, let's call it, you know, six months from now or, or a year from now, um, because the, it just fits into that category. Um, Seema, what would be the name, uh, kind of more like interesting specialty name that you're looking at? I mean, probably, um, I can't actually give a recommendation to yeah, yeah. clients, but I would say... Um, Probably, I, I think beauty is a very defensive category. So I'm no Ulta, you know, not a necessarily cheap stock, but I just think that um, beauty is something that if we do see a downturn, people always want to look good. It's a small ticket, relatively speaking. So I mean, that would be something that I would look at. Going That's forward. actually one of my picks was going to be a company that just reported today. We don't cover it, but Elf, Elf. Beauty. Yeah. Elf, Elf is down Elf. 50% this year, but you should see right. their stock after after the report just now is, is skyrocketing. 20%. They they increased guidance. They reported better than expected. And like you said, what a defensive name. I mean, they're in their... They're on the lower end of beauty. Wait, but so they, why has this thing been crushed? Like Avon products have been crushed too. Why has this thing been crushed? They got crushed Avon, because there was slowed, <laughs> they got a slowdown in their sales in their mass channels. Their biggest customers are Target. This is Alf Target and Walmart. There was a slowdown. They, this quarter they saw an uptick in their specialty side. I still think, it, yeah, it's been crushed, but it's still something I'd be wary of because there's so many digitally native brands and new brands and customers are fickle, right? It's pretty easy to get pushed out. So they really have to keep up. So they rely on the distribution through those stores. Yeah. And they have to really keep up their innovation in order to still get their space at Target, I think. Yeah. And their value prop was always that they used like the same ingredients as, you know, Tarte or like a more expensive cosmetic you'd find in Sephora. They had the same ingredient list, but you could buy that same lip gloss for $2 versus 22. And so they originally Mm -hmm. started online and now they're distributing (coughs) through Target. Um, but yeah, it looks like, you know, especially for the season. Who owns that company with the soap that I like? With the soap? Rituals? (laughs) Yeah, Rituals. Who owns Rituals? I don't know. Do you guys know who owns Rituals? Is that private? I feel like that's another one of those, like, defensive categories, right? Like the specialty soaps and and stuff like that. Like, people... I mean, specialty is, is, like, look at Lush. Look how amazing they've been. Look at at Brandy Melville. My God, to to own that private Italian retailer for the last three years, they're they're not going to do anything this winter. This Christmas, they're gone. But, I mean, the cash they printed on rock and roll T-shirts for about a five-year run there. (laughs) 
they're loaded. They're set for life. They're, the best thing they didn't do was go public. But mm-hmm. companies that it, it's who do I like on the uh, you know on the negative side? Give me Foot Locker. Give me Gap. Give me Foot Locker, especially because I don't know that there's a solution for Foot Locker. I'm not positive why they don't boring, just become boring. Kind of this. Mackie, that's boring. 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 I don't get. I'm sorry. I'm up 35 percent <laughs> this year. I was everyone else doing. I got bored all freaking day. I don't give a shit. The, the, if you can't fix these companies, they're going to stay broken. Yeah. If you know, if you can't imagine in my brain, and all I do is think about this walkish crap and maybe some boxing, it is is basically just retail. And if you can't fix the footprint of these stores, for instance, with Ulta, you can't change the fact that kind of makeup you need to try it on your face. Yep. And mm-hmm. so people have to go out there and touch it. They'll reorder online, but it really helps to have stores. I do people love how like Maggie. I do love how Maggie is a retail expert. Yet his his most of his retail trade theses are in a sense macro, like having to do with the structural nature of the industry. Like it's not, they're not I, it, yeah, they're, he's not trend riding on brands. Like he, he's more. Oh, like, I yeah. fully will throw a brand into the volcano. Like you cannot believe because <laughs> you'll ride them straight to hell. It, when, the, when the magic is gone, just leave and forget you. You know, it, it's, I was barely aware of Crocs. I actually traded them 10 years ago and I just expunged <laughs> them from my mind with a neuralizer because once a brand is broken, it's, it's broken. Done. Just yeah. give it time to cook. You know, sometimes they come back, but not usually. You know, Benetton is spree. You know, we can talk about all kinds of dead ones. But, right. you know, it it's so it's fickle. Don't stay with them forever. But structurally, you just got to look for the companies that actually have an answer. And, you know, if you go through the transcripts and listen to the calls, you're seeing a subtle shift where, where the numbers matter less. Walmart, they didn't like them as much until they kind of realized that maybe Walmart was spending their money in a smart way. And so the stock actually kind of reacted fine after they reported these, the, the retailers should be spending money. It shouldn't be about EPS, but it should be about the pursuit of this market share because once you grab the share, you're going to take it forever. And once you get into that death spiral, you know, I know Footlocker might sound boring, but there's still a lot of points left on that stock. Whereas Pier One, you're into blood money. Yeah. JCPenney, you're into yeah. blood money. There's nothing left to short there. Barnes and Noble, but, is, you know, has also, I thought at one point, right. be able to, it's going to be hard for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the yeah, but, but there's just barely any the meat on the bone, you know? No, that's true. That's true. Um, so I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, both of, you know, the great retail analysts on this podcast, you know, have very kind of personal relationships to the industry. I, we were t- talking to Seema before the call and she was talking about how, you know, growing up in L.A., um, you know, looking at Sears in a uh, kind of a uh, suburban parking lot and, and really understanding not from the you know, again, uh, midtown, uh, you know, hedge fund analyst <laughs> perspective, what's going on with these brands, but what's actually going on on the ground. So I think that gives, uh, you can, the great American fortunes are retailers and seem and I could talk all freaking day about this kind of wonky crap because you either <laughs> see it or you don't. And once you do, you can't see it any other way. It's right. fully matrix. It's fully, once you see retailers and how they operate as machines, you don't want to unsee it. So you know, it, it's it's a unique breed, but and there's normally not a lot of money in it. Normally, it's an affliction, but right now, it, the trade is still really good. Yeah, along the companies that are going to be part of the next generation, and over time, meaning like eighteen months, you'll be fine. 
Well, thank you guys for joining. Seema, thanks so thank much you. for joining thank the group. Thank you for having Hope me. Hope to have you back here pretty soon. Christine, we will see everybody back on the Estimize Roundtable next week. Estimize is an open financial estimates platform designed to collect forward-looking financial estimates from independent buy-side and sell-side analysts, along with those of private investors and academics. Currently, over 62,000 analysts contribute to Estimize, resulting in coverage of over 2,200 stocks and 80 economic indicators each quarter. The Estimize consensus has proven more accurate than comparable sell-side data sets over 74% of the time. Become a part of our community by visiting us at Estimize.com and check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter with the handle Estimize. Due to our access to the confidential identities of hedge funds, which post estimates on Estimize.com, Estimize and its employees have agreed not to own individual stocks. Guests which appear on our podcast may or may not have positions in the equities discussed. All the opinions shared on today's show belong to the individuals that express them, and nothing said on this podcast should be considered investment advice.